One of the most annoying things about the internet are those ads that follow you around. Our colleague Sam Schechner knows them well. I, you know, years ago made the mistake of clicking on an ad for a weird t-shirt with like a very large face of an animal on it. Huh. Which animal? Well, there were different ones, but they were like, you know, safari animals. I think there was a rhinoceros on one. And I just wanted to get a closer look. It just wasn't big enough. And I clicked on the ad. And I'll never forget that because (laughs) that was pretty much the only thing I saw on the internet for a long time after that. It sounds cool. Did you buy it? I did not. I hesitate to think (laughs) what kinds of ads I'd get if I actually went ahead and purchased one of them. We've all had our own version of the ad for a rhinoceros t-shirt that stalks us around the internet. As frequent listeners of this show might know, I'm currently being stalked around the internet by an ad for a couch. These stalker-like ads can feel creepy, insightful, or even sometimes helpful. But soon, you might be seeing fewer of them. Because Google, the largest internet ad company in the world, is changing the rules— and making it harder for companies to track you across the internet. That's a major shift in the way the internet has worked and in how internet advertising could work. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, March 10th. Coming up on the show how Google is about to change online ad tracking. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. The ads that follow you around the web rely on a key technology called a cookie. Why is it called a cookie? Well... I actually asked Lou Montuli, who is the creator of web browser cookies, way back in 1995. That's when he filed a a patent for them. And he actually used the word cookie in his patent. And what he said is that he based it actually on an old programming term from operating systems that he'd heard back in college. It's a term called magic cookie. So like a pot cookie? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there's actually a bunch of theories about where it comes from. He said he just liked the term and it stuck. But, I mean, it sort of works in programs like a receipt. And so one of the theories is that it's kind of like Hansel and Gretel, you know, leaving breadcrumbs to find your way back. Well, in this case, it would be cookie crumbs. What is the purpose of a cookie? It's basically an identifier. And, you know, they were supposed to be for things like remembering what books you put in your basket when you're checking out on Amazon, back when Amazon only sold books. That was the original purpose of cookies. Websites would drop a cookie into your web browser so that they could recognize you when you came back. The technology helped those sites remember relatively simple things about you, like what books you left in your shopping cart or whether you'd recently signed in using your password. But companies soon realized that they could do more with that technology. And that's where third-party cookies come in. 
And why were they doing this? What was the purpose of this fancy new third-party cookie? Advertising. They knew which sites you were visiting. They might know what you're interested in, and they might be able to target better ads at you based on which sites you visit. It can be easy to forget how revolutionary this technology was. It used to be that advertisers had to blast their commercials all over the place and hope that their ads found the right people. Now, if you left a book in your shopping cart, an ad for that book might follow you to a different website, hassling you to go back and click the purchase button. But that kind of cross-website tracking made some people feel really uncomfortable. This has been somewhat controversial almost since the beginning. You know, when cookies started to get used for advertising, people said, wait, this isn't what they were for. And it was, you know, seen as a great privacy victory when Internet Explorer started in the early 2000s, giving people the ability to clear their cookies and view their cookies. What was the problem that people had with cookies and the third-party tracking? Some people would say it's much ado about nothing. I mean, it's like, wait, so the danger here is that I'm going to get a great deal on car insurance? (laughs) You know, why why am I going to tear down the internet? Because I don't want that. But I think the idea that companies you do not know whose names are not household names are building up profiles about individual people and their interests, you know, that, that are somewhat personal. Yeah, because I think if you imagine happening in the real world, what happens to you online, it would probably be horrifying. Someone following you around, keeping track of how long you looked at an item, whether you put it in your cart and put it back. Yeah, I mean, even in a single store level, I mean, I'm the kind of person who, you know, when I walk into a clothing store, I'm like living in fear that somebody's going to come over and ask if I need help with that. <laughs> um, so, you know, the idea that these faceless companies would know what you're interested in is something that I think makes a lot of people uncomfortable. You know, there have also been revelations that this data isn't only used for advertising. Maybe it's intended for advertising, but, you know, potentially it could end up in the hands of governments. It could end up in the hands of political groups. You know, the whole architecture by which some of this data is shared and these profiles are created means that some of it's essentially open to be sniffed out by bad actors. And everyday people don't really know who's getting their data and how it's being resold or used, even if there's some vague fine print in the privacy policy that does some hand-waving in that direction. The big tech companies have responded to this pressure in a few different ways. Apple, for instance, has said that this kind of tracking is bad. Here's Apple CEO Tim Cook in 2018. We're not going to traffic in your personal your personal life. I I think it's an invasion of privacy. Uh, I think it's uh, privacy to us is a human right. I mean, you could say cynically, they don't have a huge advertising business. So this is a way for them to differentiate themselves and sell more expensive devices. But they've said, yeah, this is a problem. And we're going to start to change our products to cut off the flow of data. You know, on the flip side, you have a company like Facebook, which has sort of made its whole business around hyper-targeting through a variety of different apps. They've been saying that, in fact, these sorts of hyper-targeted ads are especially valuable for small companies that can't afford to do big brand advertisements that reach everyone, but really want to focus on their likely customers. It's something that Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg frequently points out. The biggest part of our business is serving small businesses. 
Our advertising is one of the most effective tools that small businesses have to find customers, to grow their businesses, and to create jobs. But I think that there's a lot of people who do generally feel uncomfortable and wonder, actually, if this is the best way to do it, even advertising. Is it really necessary to build up what privacy activists would call a surveillance economy in order to, you know, sell you sneakers? Or could they sell as many sneakers or almost as many without knowing everything about you? Google thinks it is possible to sell you sneakers without knowing everything about you. Their plan? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Google is the world's biggest online advertising company. By one measure, Google accounted for more than half of all digital ad spending in the world last year. So Google has a huge amount of influence over the digital ad industry. Google makes most of its money from selling keyword-based ads in their search engine. But it certainly has a huge side business in brokering, you know, advertising, either selling it to the advertisers, working with the publishers, or being the, the kind of bidding ad exchange in the middle. They have a very big business selling ads that appear on other websites, and those ads are pretty reliant on third-party cookies. But by next year, Google is ending third-party cookies for good on Chrome, the country's most popular web browser. And last week, the company announced that it won't develop or use any new technology that could replace cookies. Instead, Google said it was going to try to track people in groups rather than individually. How will that be possible to target an ad to somebody without tracking their web activity? Well, they don't really know how they're going to do it, but they're working on it. There's a lot of proposals that, in essence, try to do a lot of the processing on your browser and to aggregate you with a bunch of other people, creating, in some instances, what they call a cohort. Uh, And ads would be aimed at cohorts of people, not individual people. And the people who are advertising wouldn't know who's in the cohort the way that they can today. The idea is that it should be more private. Why does Google say it's making this change? Google says that people's expectations for privacy on the internet have changed. You know, they point to both surveys, but then also just the growing number of people who are seeking out and trying to install some kind of cookie blockers in their browsers. People don't like this kind of tracking and are trying to resist it. And they say that on one hand, if that continues and people continue to basically block all kinds of tracking, then advertising is going to stop working as well in the first place. And then they also say that they think that you know, the regulatory uh, timeline on this is shortening, that there's a likelihood that some of this stuff won't be allowed in the future anyway. And so that they're making a long-term bet that this change is inevitable. And so they better come up with a way that they can still make money and that websites and other people in the business can still make money without 
this kind of cross-site tracking across uh, websites. Mm-hmm. Before regulators just tell them what to do. Exactly. There's a few reasons to be skeptical about these changes. For one, at this point, Google says the change will only apply to its web browser, not to any mobile apps. And second... Privacy people, people who are upset about the way that Google tracks people, say, sure, this is a good step, but it doesn't really strike the core of how Google is monetizing data. That's because the change only applies to third-party tracking, not the tracking that Google does across its own websites. Google's owned and operated sites, they'll still track you one-to-one. You're signed in to your Google account. They know who you are when you're in Gmail. They know who you are when you're watching YouTube videos. And those ads can reflect that. You know, they know who you are when you're searching on Google. So that's a, that's a, you know, a big carve-out. Google already has a ton of data about you. Google is going to continue to use that data about you. And in a sense, sure, it applies to them on the open internet, but that hurts them a lot less than it might hurt some other companies that rely on this data elsewhere. And that's where the complaint that it's anti-competitive comes in. I think a lot of companies are worried that this is essentially a way to box them out because Google already has a ton of data about pretty much everybody who uses the internet. The result might be that, well, you have to just buy ads from Google on Google's websites if you really want to do that level of targeting in the future. And that could leave a bunch of companies out in the cold. Google says it's sincere about improving online privacy and that the company is committed to helping other companies sell targeted ads without invasive tracking technology. What does this move say about the direction that the internet is going when it comes to privacy and data collection? Well, it seems like they follow through on these promises. You could end up with a world where there is a lot less hyper-personalized data being shared about you for targeting ads. And, you know, the reality might be that you are followed around a little bit less by that annoying commercial. And you're maybe a little bit less worried about data that's being picked up about you for advertising purposes, being intercepted by somebody else who might be just trying to stalk you or hack you or or for some other reason. And where there's fewer rhinoceros t-shirts following you around. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I still miss that shirt. I really wish it would come and find me again. (laughs) Maybe you'll get another chance. That's all for today, Wednesday, March 10th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Keech Hagee. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.